Well, guys, this morning, um, I really debated what to, what to do. You know, we've got this week and next week, and next week I wanted to talk about kind of get us in the holiday spirit. How do we get prepared for Christmas? If you're like me, man, Christmas just kind of slams you like a brick in the forehead. It just gets here, and you're kind of worn out, and you're putting trees up and trying to put lights up, and you're trying to be festive in the, at the same time. Uh, and it, gets, it seems to get harder every year. I don't know if that's old age or ignorance or a combination of the two. But next week we're going to talk about Christmas and how to get into the Christmas spirit. But this week I kind of debated, you know, what are we going to talk about? Because we wrapped up our series last week. And we do this periodically. If you guys have been in Mighty Men for very long, every now and then I like to kind of uh, turn it over to you guys and, and hear from you. You get to hear from me, but I very rarely get to hear from you guys. And so this morning, uh, you're going to notice, and you probably walked in and you broke out into a sweat because you saw two mic stands. Um, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to share your story. You know, we, we just sang that song, I Will Sing of My Redeemer. Um, we have, I hope, every one of us in this room has something to sing about, a story to tell. Uh, something that God is doing in our lives. And, you know, we've been talking over the last weeks about this issue of getting in the game and being uh, called by Him and having a purpose in life and that He has called you and I to do something significant. Well, what is He calling you to? What has He been doing in your life? What has He been asking you to step out and do? So we're going to talk about that this morning. And I'm going to give you some time to think about it. But... In, in preparing for this morning, one of the things that came to mind was this song, Blessed Assurance. And we're not going to sing it. We, we just sang. I'm not going to make you two, sing two songs. But it says, This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. What's your story this morning? What do you have to say about what God is doing? And we're going to look at a couple of passages to kind of prime the pump. And, and I want the majority of this morning to be you. Now, there are going, I'm going to warn you. There are going to be extremely awkward moments of silence. And somebody's going to have to get up and start this thing. But I will wait you out. Um, I really don't mind. Uh, I, I don't mind awkwardness. I don't mind silence. It's actually kind of nice. But we're going to have those moments of awkwardness, and I'm just asking you to be prepared, to be willing to get up and share what God's doing in your life. And I know He's active because I hear the stories. Many of you share them with me personally. I'll, I'm just asking you to share them with the rest of the group. So what's your story? Do you have anything to praise God for this morning? Anything. Anything that you would love to stand up, maybe love is the wrong word, you would be willing to stand up and share with other men as a, a form of encouragement. What's he been doing in your life lately? It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be something just that blows everybody's socks off, but where you see the hand of God in your life. Where, man, man that, that was God. That was a God thing. And I want to give him the praise and the glory this morning. Is he active? Or is he silent? And do you have anything worth singing about this morning? Anything that you would just, man, just open up your mouth and let other people know about it. So that's what we're going to do. But to kind of get us ready, I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to talk about a demoniac. This will get you in the Christmas spirit. We're going to talk about a demoniac. Luke chapter 8. A couple of passages that I just want to touch on real briefly that uh, you probably are familiar with these stories or you're at least familiar enough to where we don't have to go through every verse of this. But this is a story about Jesus encountering somebody who had a problem, somebody who had a pretty significant problem. He was a demoniac. Jesus enters an area of the country uh, called the Gerizines. And when he gets there, he encounters a demon-possessed man. If you look at verse 26, this is Luke chapter 8. They sailed to the country of the Gerizines, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons. 
and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Now, what a greeting party. You know, this is like the welcoming committee. You know, I think the Gerasenes needed to work on this. This, if this is their, you know, like um, tourism department, uh, there's something wrong here. That as soon as his feet hit the sand, the first person who greets him is this this naked guy. Yeah, you know, he's naked and he's not in his right mind. He's not clothed. But that's who Jesus meets. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Jesus had already tried, tried to, not tried, but cast out the demon, demanded the demon to come out. The demon is responding back. For it seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would, he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And then Jesus has this conversation with the demon, and that's not the point of the story this morning. That's not the point of what I want to get out of this passage. Jesus is going to cast the demons out of him. And if you know the story, he, he casts them into swine, and there's all kinds of stuff we could deal with in that. Um, but that's, again, not my point this morning. The point is, the guy ends up healed. So when Jesus first meets him, he gets off the boat, feet hit the sand, here comes a naked guy, demon-possessed, and Jesus heals him. He casts the demons out. Go over to uh, verse 35. It says, The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is a guy that used to break chains, used to run around naked, hide in the tombs, live in the tombs. And suddenly he's sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And I love the response of the people. They became frightened. Now, I would have been frightened of the naked guy hiding in the tombs. But no, they're frightened at the guy clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave, asked Jesus to leave. For they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. The people asked Jesus to leave. They're so shocked by what they've just seen that, you know, I don't know if they were mad because he ruined their tourism department or, you know, where people come to see this guy. I don't know, but they just get out. We don't want you here anymore. You would think they would have embraced him. But the guy's response is a little different. But the man, verse 38, but the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging Jesus that he might accompany him. But Jesus sent him away. Now, if I'm Jesus, and this guy is healed, he's like the greatest, one of the greatest testimonies that I could take with me. You know, he's, he's now my traveling companion. Now, I, I used to work with an evangelist, or for an evangelist uh, here in the area, and most TV evangelists, I'm not proud of this, that I worked for an evangelist, TV evangelist especially, but most TV evangelists would die to have somebody like this on their team. Why? What a great story. Man, every time I get up to speak, the first one to prime the pump, I'm going to get this guy to get up and tell his story. I was a demon-possessed man, and I ran around naked and lived in tombs, but then Jesus changed my life. And it primes the pump, and then the preacher gets up and preaches, and thousands come forward. But what does Jesus do? I'm thinking, man, take this guy with you. What a great story as you go around and he tells the story of what Jesus did. But Jesus says in verse 39, what? Jesus says, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. It's just interesting to me. There are occasions elsewhere in the Gospels where Jesus said, don't tell anybody anything. And it was usually within the area of Jerusalem and where the, where the Jews lived is typically where he said that. But this was in a more of a Gentile region. And he says, go back and do what? He says, describe what great things God has done for you. Just go back and tell. Don't come with me. Go back where you live and tell everybody what's gone, gone on. The Net Bible says it this way. Declare what God has done for you. 
See, guys, that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to stand up and declare what God has done for you. Now, hopefully we have no demon-possessed individuals. You're all dressed and clothed. Um, But what has God done for you? Are you willing to declare it? The NIV says, tell how much God has done for you. And, you know, one of the things I think is missing in the church today is we do not give God credit. Enough credit. We don't. We don't tell one another what's going on, the things that God is doing, the things that he's helping us with, and the glimpses of God that we have, we don't tell. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Declare what God has done for you. That word declare or describe means to to recount, to relate it in full, to describe. Relate it. You know, what good is it if, if you don't tell anybody? And we don't get to enjoy what God is doing in each of our lives. And again, it doesn't have to be dramatic. That word also means to carry a narration through to the end. Tell the story. What's your story this morning? What does the guy do? Look at verse 39. It continues. So, he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city... The book of Mark tells us the city of Decapolis, what great things Jesus had done for him. What's he he telling? What great things had Jesus done for him, according to what we've read thus far? What's he done? He's healed him. He's changed his life. So he goes back and he tells what great things Jesus had done. Then that Bible says... He told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. I mean, this guy went from place to place all over the city telling anybody he could meet what Jesus had done for him. He told his story. All he could tell is what Jesus had done for him. He didn't try to take the scriptures and go teach the scriptures. He didn't try to, you know, come up with some elaborate gospel message. All he had was what Jesus had done for him, and he told it to anybody who would listen. He told all over town. I'm just asking you to tell it right in here. And, you know, we're all buddies here. Well, you know, we all like each other. Nobody's going to laugh, unless it's funny. Um, Are you willing to tell what Jesus has done for you? So what's he done for you lately? This is, this is your opportunity. If you'll be quiet, I'll talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. I couldn't, couldn't resist. Well, I saw it was you, and I, I don't know if I want to. Yeah, he's been ignoring me here. Uh, now, what I was just going to say, man, is I, I don't have a, a particularly dramatic story to tell. A recent empty nester, but I don't know that that's really uh, been, been a factor in this or not. Uh, I would just say that uh, I have been very, very blessed in my 52 years of life and um, have had uh, very few what I would characterize as, um, as uh, disappointments. Um, but what God has done for me over the last several months is <clears throat> made me realize that in spite of the way he's blessed me, my hope is in him and, and not in these blessings. And you know, it's one of those things that it, it's, it's hard to describe, and I was telling the guys at the table that it, it's sort of like, you know, when you, when you get to be 50 years old and you wake up in the middle of the night to take a leak and, and, and you crawl back in bed at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, your hope is, that's, that's the stuff you're thinking about right then. You know, what is it that, that uh, enables you to, to, to look forward to getting up in the morning and, and, um, and carrying on and, and continuing to uh, to deal with the, the challenges that, that come to you at work or wherever, and 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 I would just say what what God has done for me is, in, in spite of the way He's blessed me, He's He's made me realize recently that my hope is not in the blessings, all of which are, are vaporous, and uh, and He can remove at any moment. My hope is in Him, and um, I, I've known that intellectually for a long time, but it, it there comes a point when you have to be able to grab it emotionally and. And uh, that's where he, he has me now. So thank you for giving me a chance to speak. Yeah. You bet.
Hey, my name's uh, Scott Mayo, and um, I'm going to try to do this without crying. Um, 33 days ago, I, uh, I kind of got off the bench. I um, gave my life to the Lord at a, at a young age and um, did a lot of things in college, Campus Crusade, and um, they were all for face value. Uh, could take the scripture and use it for, as a Band-Aid, whatever I was going through. Um, I had no substance in my life. I had had no uh, had no foundation. And you know, Luke 6:46 uh, talks about the two foundations. And I was definitely the one that, uh, when the the rains and the tide came, I was blown away, knocked over. And I'd get up and I'd get a band-aid and I'd use scripture. And I, uh, but it wasn't nothing was um, there was nothing that held me fast. I mean, I. Guess what I'm saying is I'm so gracious that the Lord didn't turn me over to my sin. Um, I've got a chemical abuse problem that I've been uh, clean from for 33 days, and uh, and the foundation I have now is, um, you know, he, he says that when the tides come, when he didn't say if, he said when, and uh, you know, 33 days ago I started coming you guys uh, Wednesday mornings, Friday mornings, um, you know, Sunday morning. Church, Sunday school, Sunday night, um, Monday night. Uh, I've gotten off the bench, and uh, the Lord has been so gracious, you know, not to turn me over. And I'll get corny on you for a second. I told him the table, I, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I made muffins. <clears throat> Got out of, getting out of my box. And, uh, but I was making these muffins, and I'm, I'm following the recipe, and I'm putting this goo inside the muffin pan. You know, and I'm like, Man, that's me. I'm just goo. You know, I've got no backbone, no foundation. I mean, first impression, yeah, but when it comes to it, the, you know, I just get blown over and put these muffins in the oven, and the heat came. Bring the ovens out, and the heat is solid. And the muffins are solid. And, uh, you know, the heat's still coming, but I'm following the recipe. You know, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm uh, in fellowship with men that love the Lord. I'm uh, praying. I've got a six-year-old little boy that I want to leave a legacy for. I've got an ex-wife that I'm praying for. I was not a spiritual leader. I was divorced four years ago, and, and we, we actually are friends now. And, but that recipe is so simple to follow as long as I don't rely on my intellect, um, but just uh, rely on the, uh, the hope, you know, the perseverance and the character and the hope that, uh, that I can only get through the Lord. And um, I've just uh, I've got a lot to, like I said, his, his grace is so sufficient, and, um, and I'm just... Uh, I'm so much. I'm so in awe that, that he didn't turn me over, and I just, um, you know, thank you guys for uh, allowing me to be here. Thanks, Scott. I'm Rick Johnson. Um, I missed the uh, call. I think Ken mentioned my name when I was coming in. I was feeding my face. So uh, a few years ago, I was up and coming in the uh, corporate world out at Lockheed and well on my way to upper management. and I had to step out of the world to um, take care of personal matters. Uh, my daughter needed me, among other things. So I stepped out of the corporate world and got everything straightened out as best as I could. She's doing great. And uh, meanwhile, uh, when I was, before I was able to get back into the corporate world, I had a sports injury. So through the rehabilitation and everything, I um, got to uh, get involved with other things, YMCA, and some more involved in the church activities. And, of course, I've been coming here for about three or four years. I remember the bubble and other places that we've moved to. And uh, just, uh, well, I guess it was a few years ago. Even beyond that, I had been overseas for about cumulative of five or six years through the corporate world. And every time I'd go overseas, I would try to do the Lord's bidding, and I'd convert people. Uh, the Lord would convert people. I would just preach the gospel and go to churches and fellowship with people and help start churches and do things like that. <clears throat> so when I came back here, I always had this burden to do this. And uh, Ken convicted me a couple of weeks ago to uh, 
search my soul. And he said, what have you been saying no to? I don't know if you remember that or not, but uh, I've been saying no to get back into uh, ministry on a full-time basis. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is full-time or not, but right after I had a ser- serious heart-to-heart talk with the Lord about this, um, some missionary came up to me and asked me to go to India. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so... Anyway, I, I said yes to that, and uh, I told him, I said, look, you know, I'm stepped out of the corporate world, and uh, I'm, you know, financially incapable of, of providing this, so, you know, Kent said he'd step up for me, and that's that's my name. So the most important thing is, as you probably have already noticed, I'm not very good at public speaking, um, pray for a spirit of boldness for me when I make it over there that I will be able to preach the Word of God the way that He wants it to be preached. And uh, one of the things I really want to thank the Lord about, I'm, I'm amazed, no real income, but the Lord has tremendously sustained me. Um, and I haven't slowed down. As a matter of fact, I'm taking care of a man that's uh, completely fallen apart. He's had no job, lost his car, lost his wife, family. <clears throat> so I am taking care of him and converting my garage into an apartment to sustain this man. And I'm wondering, where where's my sustenance come from? I have not missed one meal. I have not missed one bill payment. The Lord is sustaining me. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. Danny Rogers. And a year ago, my wife and family and I were members of a church, a dying church, on the west side of Fort Worth. We'd been members there almost 25 years. We struggled and struggled and struggled as to what we could do to make that church grow. And uh, we watched friends go and leave and leave us, and we kept wondering why we had to stay. Well, about this time last year, God began to speak into some of our hearts. In the leadership of that church, beginning with the pastor, And those of us on the leadership team, in the spring, he led us to give that property away. Two and a half million dollars worth of property. And he said, give it to this other church. This small congregation that had broken off from another Baptist church in town. And were meeting and were growing, but they had come to the end of their time where they were. And God said, give it to them. So over a series of weeks and months as we met with them and brought them in and shared with them what our vision was, they were excited, to say the least. So last spring, we signed the papers and gave away $2.5 million worth of property. And at that point in time, God then said, okay, now you can go. Now you have done what what I've asked you to do. And so my wife and I and some other friends began to visit And long story short, he brought us here. And it's been an incredible blessing in my life, in our lives, here on Wednesday mornings, our small group on Monday nights, usually 5 o'clock on Sunday. And as a part of this, this session this fall, God called me. He said, you need to be a volunteer young life leader. And I think that's the craziest thing in the world. But that's what I'm going to do. So uh, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. And and thank God for honoring us when we obey him. That's great. Um, My name is David Peterson, and my father was the recipient with his church of receiving that church. And they have, my dad, I have never seen my dad testify so much of what God has been doing in the last year and a half as because of all the things that have gone on with that facility, that property. That church is so vibrant and what's going on over there is truly blessing tremendously a lot of people. And my dad was a member of a church, the same facility for, I'm 50, for uh, about 49 years. And he's not a guy that would change. But God started moving in all of these situations. And it is remarkable to see what God had done in that whole situation. So I can confirm everything that Danny just said. It's very, very <laughs> cool. share a few things with you about the concept of obedience and expectant faith. Uh, Some years ago, I was like you in the business world, 
seeking uh, my fame, my fortune, but I was not in church. And God got hold of me in 1974, and everything changed. Hmm. Had the opportunity to uh, go through a transition out of the business world into church life and went into a church where I was the business administrator, and we saw phenomenal growth in this church in Memphis, Tennessee. It went from 1,250 members to over 5,000 in five years. It was a marvelous thing to see God grow up at church and people come to Christ. But my heart tugged in a whole different direction, and that was toward the foreign field. And I want to encourage you, if God touches your heart, through expectant faith and obedience, don't hesitate. He took me not only out of the business world, but out of the church life to Belgium for 14 years where we served the Lord and then to Germany for 10 more years. Again, all sufficient God through expectant faith, out of obedience, following him. We're just ordinary folks, but we've led extraordinary lives. And that's the pathway he wants each of you on if you will just follow him. Thank you. Lots of silent moments, huh, Ken? Um, I'm Jay Meadows. Um, I uh, God put something on my heart to share this morning. Uh, probably not as as uplifting as is um, maybe what these other guys have been talking about. Most of you guys know that um, you know I'm involved in uh, with Jim and Four Cats Ministry and, and dealing with athletes, and um, you know I've got baseball teams of my own, and that's really been always my ministry. Uh, really using sports to uh, to reach people for Christ and and uh, or mentor kids, uh, but lately God's been taking me someplace else, and it's not a place that I really want to go. Um, in fact, it's not a place I'm comfortable at. Um, but I think it's something that um, even after talking to Ken and and another brother, um, that that this is happening amongst us. And it's um, this morning I got up and I was getting in the shower and I was thinking to myself. I might have the last uh, marriage standing. Uh, I've been married for 22 years. In the last two and a half weeks, I've, I've been contacted by six people whose marriages are imploding. And amazingly enough, they're happening right here amongst us. we got people's marriages probably in this room that are falling apart. Now, why in the world would God pull me around? I mean, I've been married for 22 years, but trust me, it's not, you know, it's nothing but a badge of courage. Um, I'm not saying I've got a perfect marriage, and I sure don't know what to tell somebody when their marriage is imploding. But I got to tell you guys, you know, we sit around these tables and we talk to one another. You know, are you telling anybody before, you know, you're filing papers? Are you telling anybody that maybe you don't know how to love your wife or are you are you reaching out? You know, do we really I mean it's it's funny when you sit down and you go, Okay, well what's the Bible say about marriage? Well it says you're married. It doesn't say there's any way out, it says you're married. That's hard for us to accept. Even when you're sitting there talking to a guy, you're going, Oh yeah, man, she is tough, man. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't like to be living with her either. But that's not what God says. God says you're supposed to love her regardless of what's going on. And uh, that's about all I've learned at this point. Uh, I don't know anymore. But, but I will tell you this, that um, I believe that Satan doesn't come in a, in a red suit with a pointy tail. I believe that Satan comes in as an angel of light. And I believe he comes at all of us. And it might be, you know, somebody in your office. It might be... Something that you're watching, it might be pornography, it might be whatever, but somehow he's going to gain a foothold. And where can he get us but the family? You know, I come from a broken home. I'm a, I'm a statistic. My mother was married five times. My dad was married four. If you put them both together, they hadn't been married 22 years. So I'm a statistic. It's, it's amazing that me and my brothers have all been married one time. But... You know, you look at it today, and and there's a way out of everything. I heard somebody say yesterday in a business meeting, well, it's just a contract. You can get out of any contract. 
Well, that's the way we think. That's what the world tells us. If you're not happy here, go someplace else and be happy. Go for the good life, not the better life, right? So, you know, I urge you guys that Satan is dealing with us. He, his game plan is to destroy us at our marriage. Because if we can take you and your wife apart, then we can destroy a family unit. If we can destroy a family unit, then we can certainly destroy a family unit that praises God. And that's where he's getting us, guys. And if you don't see it, if you don't see that game plan, then you're wrong. So when you're sitting around and we talk about accountability and how we're helping each other out and praying for one another and all that stuff, well, you know, that's great in, unless we can't get past the Cheerios. You know, if you're here for the eggs and bacon, I think you're missing out on something. There's guys that will really pray with you and help you and believe with you. And, uh, and if you don't believe that people are having problems with their marriages, all I ask you to do is ask somebody if they know a good Christian counselor. I asked that the other day in a crowd, and five people whipped out a card. What's that tell you? Why would you know a Christian counselor unless he was your brother or you went to one? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's just a word, and, and we need to be praying for the marriages in our church and uh, because they're, we got a problem. Hey, real quickly, we're gonna I'm, we're gonna have a few more minutes for you guys to stand up, but look over to John chapter nine, real quick. Another little story. These are those stories and scriptures that we we tend to just blow by. John chapter nine, starting in verse one. It's a, um, Jesus encounters another guy with a problem. This guy's blind. The other guy had a demon. This guy can't see. Been blind from birth. So he encounters this guy. And the disciples, it's really interesting, their response is they, they ask Jesus, is he blind because he sinned or his parents sinned? You know, they jump to this conclusion that, well, he's, he's suffering. He was born blind. Therefore, either he sinned or his parents sinned. And that was kind of the ruling thought of the day. Uh, any kind of calamity in your life like that, it had to be sin. And, you know, we, we kind of assume the same thing. And Jesus informs them it's neither. And I love what Jesus says. It was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Man, that's, that's a powerful statement. If you think about some of the garbage you and I go through, and you sit there and you berate yourself and go, well, is it because I did this? Is it because I did that? Is it because I didn't go to the mission field? Is it because I refused to tithe? Is it because... And we start beating ourselves up. And it may just very well be that God wants to show himself strong in your life. That's exactly what Jesus says about this guy. It's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what does Jesus do? He heals him. You know, he spits in the mud. You know, I don't know why Jesus spat in the mud. Jesus didn't have to do that. There were plenty of times Jesus just said, be healed. But he spits in the mud, makes little mud pies, puts them on the guy's eyes, says, go to the pool of Siloam, wash it off, and then come back. And he does. And the people are blown away. They're completely astonished. See, the world wants to be blown away by what God can do. You know, what we're saying this morning needs to get out of this room. And we need to tell others, not just fellow believers, but people who don't know God. But they want to know, how did this happen? And in the other story, you can go back and circle all the hows. How did this happen? And people are asking that. They want to know, how have you gotten to where you are? How did that happen? So what's his answer? Verse 11, he says, the man who is, who is called Jesus made clay. Now listen to what the guy says. See, we complicate everything. You know, we want to turn it into theology. But what does the guy say? The man who's called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away, washed, and guess what? I received sight. This is all this guy knows at this point. He doesn't even re- he's not really sure who Jesus is. But you know what he does know? I was blind, but now I see. He has a story to tell. He says, he applied applied clay to my eyes, I washed, I see. It's as simple as that. 
It's as simple as that. What is God doing in my life and in your life? You know, the Pharisees go on in the story and they confront him. They even question his parents. They call them in and say, you know, hey, this guy can't have been blind. This is all a, it's a lie. And his parents say, well, he, he was blind. That's him. But you go ask him. We don't want to get involved. Because they're afraid they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. So they turn it back over to the guy. The Pharisees demand that he, he tell us, this guy's a sinner, right? Jesus is a sinner. Call him what he is. He's a sinner. He's got to be a sinner. He's blasphemous. And they say, give glory to God, but don't give glory to this guy. Give glory to God, but not Jesus. Well, what's his response? And this is, this is so classic to me. He says, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. <laughs> this guy doesn't know a whole lot, does he? I don't know if he's a sinner. I just met the guy. I just saw him for the first time, literally. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. Verse 30 says, here's an amazing thing that you do not know, Pharisees. You don't know where he's from. And yet he opened my eyes. You know, he's thinking, I would think you would know everything about this guy. If he can do this, you don't even know where he's from. I was blind, but now I see. It says he told everyone who would listen what had happened to him and who had done it. This guy, he became the the greatest testimony for Jesus because of what Jesus had done. So what's Jesus done for you? And who are you willing to tell? Just take just a few more minutes. A couple more guys. Have you been blind and now you see? What is God doing in your life? This is your opportunity to give him the glory for what he's doing. Well, I was blind, and then I saw, and then I was blind, and now I have one one eye open again. So it's uh, um, my story kind of starts 33 days ago. Like Scott's, I uh, took my dream job a couple of years ago, what I thought was my dream job, just because it was doing something I truly loved, and it was making more money than I'd ever really imagined making at this point in my career. And um, but at the same time, I put everything on the back burner uh i've been coming to mighty men you know probably seven or eight years when i don't think it was even called mighty men and uh you know it was just the men's prayer morning and um was active in ministries and active in my sunday school and active in pretty much everything i could but then two years ago when i got this job i basically put all that on the back burner and basically just put all my focus on work and then coming home and trying to be a dad and trying to be a husband and and all the time thinking well that's okay I'm just going to make a lot of money and and give give more and that's how I was justifying it and uh basically um 33 days ago God yanked that carpet right out from under my feet and um our company our owner decided to shut our company down on a whim and just write it off as a tax loss. And, um, you know, I hadn't been smart in putting a lot into savings. And so I've got a wife that stays home and two children. And so all of a sudden, you know, my uh, world went into a tailspin and uh, praise God and thank God that I had just been through the Better Life study. And he was starting to get my heart back in the right place where it needed to be. And... I'm in the middle of a story right now, and hopefully someday I can stand up and and finish it. But I guess it doesn't really matter what the ending is. I think the the glory be to God part is that the day when I found out my job was over and there was going to be no paycheck for November, my first thought was instead of, you know, oh, crap, what am I going to do? My first thought was day three of the Better Life study where Job lost his kids, lost his wife, lost his health, lost his cattle, lost everything, and still he praised God. And so my first thought was, you know, I've lost my paycheck and I've lost my job. Surely I can praise God if Job lost all that. And so um, a couple of little side notes and neat things that have happened since then. I've picked up some graphic art skills 
in my two years of being creative director for an apparel manufacturing company, and um, we've been through uh, a minister, or been participating in a ministry here at church for a couple of years, and uh, really enjoyed it. And I know the guy who's running it, kind of on a face-to-face or you know first-name basis. Well, he sends me an email and asks me to uh, help him out for a three-month stint, just kind of revamping their graphics. Doesn't even know he's talking to someone who's been through his class for you know three years and so that's helping you know that's kind of a stopgap. and then uh one of my best friends uh has a real estate company that he's kind of created a position for me to to take and run with it and so none of that's really doing what um i want to be doing right now but at the same time praise god that you know at least i'm able to put food on the table and i think all that you know i I kind of wanted to crawl up in the fetal position and just, you know, be depressed and be angry. But I think God has provided that just uh, for at least maybe my heart being in the right place and just saying, you know, take my house away, take take everything away. I'm still going to wake up and praise you every morning. So. I'll be very, very quick because I know it's uh, I know it's time to be gone. Uh, I just wanted to say and I, and I really thank you. Uh, I'm not a member at this church. Uh, I actually am a member at, at another church, and I love my church, and, and uh, have no have no plans to change, quite frankly. Uh, however, the, this ministry is, as far as I can tell, the gold standard for men's ministry, particularly in this town. Uh, and, and I just want to thank all of you, and particularly Ken, for the example. Uh, and there may be more of me around. There may be more interlopers around here. I don't know. Uh, but I love the guys at my table. That you know, it's it's never never an issue. Uh, as to whether I'm, I'm a member here or not, but this is absolutely something that I dream about for our church, for my church. Um, but until that happens, uh, it sure is great to be able to come here. Thank you. Hi, my name is uh, Shannon Beecham. Uh, I've been attending Christ Chapel on and off for the last seven years since I moved here to Fort Worth. Um, what brought me to Fort Worth is um, a dancing career that I had uh, with the, the dance company here. Uh, at the time, it was Fort Dallas Ballet. Now it's Texas Ballet Theater. Um, I might not look like it, but I'm a professional ballet dancer. I've been doing it for 17 years now. Um, but four years ago, I guess that kind of came to a, a screeching halt when they kind of let me go there. And so I came to that stage in your life where you have to make a decision on what do you want to do next. Do you want to find another job in this career, or do you need, need to try to make ends meet? So... I decided to make ends meet, and so I uh, pursued a job in, um, in the business world. And I had about two years of college under my belt, so I had a little bit of a knowledge of how to how to work in the business world. So I got a job in a marketing firm doing uh, research, and I was a that God gave me. I just kind of happened to stumble upon someone that was actually the recruiter for that job, and I uh, got a job as director of strategic research there. And, um, was loving it and making more money than I had been making dancing. So I thought, well, I guess I can do this business world thing for a while. Uh, uh, married my wife. Uh, I had a baby on the way. And then that job kind of phased out when they took away that position and didn't need that anymore. So I was like, okay, now what, God? I had a, you kind of gave me everything that I thought I needed. And then now it's all taken back away. But through that time, God was faithful. Never missed a meal. Uh, things kept working out where... Uh, money would come in just at the just the right timing, not on my efforts, just on his efforts. Uh, so I got another job uh, in sales and intern sales, and that looked promising. And kind of kind of tell you all the all the uh, you know all the potential that you can get into in the field. And so I thought, well, I can do it. I'm an outgoing person. I can go out and talk to people, and I can potentially help them out with whatever their needs are. And I did that, and it was good for a while until you know you always have those lean times. And so we had a little bit of a, a longer lean time than we expected, so that took out of my save, took a lot of money out of my savings that we had put aside. And then uh, this October, it kind of all came to a screeching halt, like kind of like what Michael was saying was just we looked in a bank account and there's, there's nothing left to, to give. There's nothing left. There's nothing in savings. There's not, there's not any more money coming in. They changed their pay structure at work, so we didn't get paid up front. We got paid in arrears. And so that totally messed up a lot of bills, and they just kept stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. So I actually just came to the church looking to find some part-time work uh, with Ken and our um, life stage pastor three with Jeff, and 
just wanted to see if there was anything I could do at the church that would just you know, put food on the table and just help us to eat because we didn't know how that was going to happen. And uh, God just proved himself faithful and there never was a time that we didn't have what we needed at that time. I mean, just people left and right just saying, oh, I don't need this. Here, you can have this. Or And they didn't even know what they were doing. They were just being faithful to what God had told them to do. They didn't know why they were giving the money or giving us uh, diapers or giving us baby food or giving us a stroller or just things that we needed at the time that we were just praying for that God answered those prayers. And God is so faithful. He's so, he's so faithful. <sighs> I mean, it's, if there was ever a time, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and I always had faith and trust in God and uh, I understand what he can do and I saw him working in our lives and working around the people around us but I never really kind of had that for myself so I kind of had this guy was saying like a, a topical faith kind of knowing like I knew what the I knew the right verses I knew what to tell people and I tell them that verse and I said ooh look what God did in their life but it always came back to me it was like how has God proven himself to me and shown him shown himself in my life I mean I didn't I never had one of those big conversion experiences where you have like a big fall and God, uh, you know, changes your life. But He's just brought, brought us to the struggle and just said, "I'm just going to just take care of you. I'm just going to be your daddy. I'm just going to be your father for a while. And I just want to show you that I can provide for you. I can take care of you, and I can just show you who I am as a as a as our heavenly Father. And then through that time, He showed me how how I'm supposed to be a father and how I can relate that same love to my wife. And just through this time, God has just blessed me with the. You know, strengthen our relationship in our marriage and just been strengthening all these different ties in our families that kind of were you know sometimes we can get lackadaisical with our families we can just kind of show love when we know we need to on the holidays but he's just showing me like how to how much we have to just pour out what god has given us because if that's all we have i don't have any money to pour out and show love in that way because i'm i'm a giving person and I felt like if I didn't have money or something together, I really didn't have anything to give. But he showed me how to love people and just showed me how to showed how to give out of love and just and um, just be there, be there for people, be there for people emotionally, be there for people spiritually, and just and to give what we what the only thing that we really truly can actually kind of hold in our in our hand, I think, is love and, and affection and, and gratitude. And I thank the church for helping me out and just being there as a light and all you guys too. Just you don't know what. Each one of you has like kind of said and done and just been there right at the right time, just being faithful to what God's put in your heart to say and do and just keep help, help keeping me strong and helping me keep me faithful to him because it's it could have been easy it could have been a time easily for me to turn away and just run and duck and cover, but it's just been a time to just keep holding on steadfast and firm in the faith, like it says in Peter, knowing that our brothers throughout the world are undergoing uh, trials and sufferings just along with you. But just thank you guys and thank you. Okay. Bill's going to be our last one, and then we'll wrap it up this morning. That's scary. I'll try to be fast. You know that's impossible. Anyway, most of you guys know that I suffered a massive stroke. Be six years, March of '02, and uh, it told me I almost died three times. But that's another discussion. Uh, when you're in a coma, you do hear, do hear what people say. And I remember what some of those people standing over me said. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, my wife is still my wife. You'll have to wait till I kick off. Thank you. Anyway, God has shown his way in my life so many ways, guys, you can't imagine. The guy that got up a couple times ago is my former neighbor, and he watched it, he and his wife watched in amazement when the mighty men's came over to our old house in Alito, cleaned the inside totally, mowed and whatever. I mean, I had a small yard, two and a half acres. Mighty men's did the entire property. I was still in the hospital. That's what you, that's what mighty men's and God's doing to people that you don't see watching. Dewey's a dear friend and neighbor. His precious wife, Cheryl, was our lady that put our marriage together for our daughter last April here. Anyway, 
Mighty Men's keeps doing wonderful things. You guys that know me well enough, when I was in the hospital, you know, the doctor told me, Bill, you may never walk again. He didn't say talk. He said walk. Long story short, the last six weeks I've walked 30 miles or more each week. I had a little interloop in there for a week when I had to fly to Florida to bury my mother, the last of my living earthly parents. I'm now an orphan. Anyway, my current small group was gracious enough to pay for Eileen and I to fly there because unlike the other gentlemen, we don't have a savings account. Okay? Two weeks ago, another covenant group picked me up from my walk at the Bally's, took me and wined me and dined me over at Chili's, and then we went back to somebody's house and watched a movie because we all concurred that we weren't paying nine fifty a ticket to go <laughs> see a real movie. So we went and saw another movie at the house, had wonderful fellowship. While the guys are doing that, the ladies are back at our house because another group, the men, completely did the yard and the outside. The ladies wind and dine Eileen that she got her nails done. Guys, you want to be a hero with your wives? Give her 20, 30 bucks and go get a manicure and pedicure. You'll be a hero. Anyway, they got her nails done. They took her to lunch. They cleaned the inside of her house, polished the china, cleaned up, you name it, in the house, got up in the attic, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody, got down our Christmas stuff, and totally decorated the inside of the house. Because my wife, we're up at 4, we, she leaves at like 6, and she doesn't get home till 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So I'm out there by myself all day. And she doesn't have time to clean a house. She gets home to her 54-year-old baby who has, needs help showering and who needs help getting dressed. And that woman go, 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 goes. And mighty men's and God is making a difference in a lot of different ways. I've cried out numerous times in prayer requests to the church and not out a million ways. And there's a handful of you guys that meet me for lunch. Bless you, bless you, bless you. It is so cool to ride in a real car to Bally's instead of riding the mitts. Okay? Whether it's Bally's, whether it's Luby's, you guys don't know how much fun it is to have fellowship with guys who can talk more about their lives and how Christ is working in their lives than talking about their new shotguns and their new cars and trucks. Like we did this morning, that means a lot of stuff to me. I want to know what makes you tick, how God's working in your life. Bless you guys. Ken, thanks to your leadership. Love you guys. Thanks, Thank Bill. you very much. Would you all stand? Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you are active in our lives. Thank you for the stories of our lives that are ongoing. They are not done. It didn't stop when you saved us, but they continue with each passing day. Father, I pray that we would, as men... Tell our story. That we would have a story we're singing about and telling about and that we would tell it to everybody that we meet. I was blind, but now I see. I was demon-possessed, but now I'm healed and in my right mind. I was tired, and you gave me new strength. I was worried, and you gave me peace. I was afraid, and you took it away. Whatever it is, Father, may we tell what you're doing in our lives. And I thank you for these men. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And may you bless them and use them and grow them into the likeness of your Son. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.